0: Welcome to Dog Talk and Kitties Too. This episode features one of the three guests on my hour-long NPR show heard every Sunday on WLIW-FM 88.3, the only NPR station on Long Island, where it has broadcast continuously for 14 years. I'm Tracy Hotchner. I wrote the Dog Bible, Everything Your Dog Wants You to Know, as well as the Cat Bible, everything your cat expects you to know, because I care about people who care about cats, dogs, and other creatures who share our planet. I'm also the founder and director of the New York Dog Film Festival and the New York Cat Film Festival, which travel America and Canada, supporting local animal welfare groups. I could not bring you this show without the support of Dr. Elsie's, the privately owned litter and cat food company founded by Dr. Elsie, a feline-only veterinarian who's created a variety of litters to please any cat, as well as inventing clean protein cat foods based on the protein found in cats' natural prey. This show is also made possible with the generous sponsorship of Waruva, the fam owned Foreman Pet Food Company, named after their rescued kitties, Webster, Rudy, and Vanessa, where all their recipes in cans and pouches are human edible because they're made in a human food facility. Good enough for you to eat, but your cats won't appreciate that. You are going to love this movie, A Dog Named Gucci, and I love the man behind it, who I've never met or spoken to before, because he's a fiercely independent documentary filmmaker, and that is of great interest to me. Gorman Bouchard, welcome to the show. Congratulations on this film about a wonderful senior dog sanctuary, but also what seems like a lifetime of dedication to making independent documentaries with a series of other filmmakers. So congratulations on doing something far outside the
1: box. Oh, thank you very much. Uh, yeah, I, I tend to try to make films about subjects of which I'm very passionate and dogs. I, my wife and I never had kids. We love our dogs and, and, uh, and, and I felt that if, if you know, if documentaries can change the world, even the littlest bit, um, I would like to do something to help, you know, uh, uh, the animal situation.
0: Well, that's a, that's a very nice motivation. But it wasn't your first documentary, A Dog Named Gucci.
1: No, it was not. We, uh, my first documentary was actually uh, it sort of fell into my lap. I was making narrative films. And um, someone said, would you like to make a documentary about your one of your favorite bands we know you love this band and the woman had started making the film but she lost all of her equipment lost everything she goes i can't finish this but i know you can and literally at the age of 50 my life i completely changed my career trajectory and just fell in love with the documentary process
0: isn't that something so you had been in the in what we all think of as movies you go to see for entertainment as opposed to documentaries Mm -hmm which I think of as movies you go to see for to inspire you, but also educate you and open your mind and, and eyes to different worlds and different lives and different ways of looking at things.
1: Yeah, and one of the things, though, with documentaries, because I also run a documentary film festival, and one of the things I'm always looking for, uh, and this actually is a quote from, I'm going to paraphrase Michael Moore, because he was one of our guests of honor a few years back before COVID, and I was driving him around, and One of the things he said to me was, don't make documentaries, make movies. So I always try to make them entertaining. And so they captivate you because otherwise you end up preaching to the choir. Yes, Um, because the only people uh, who will
0: come to a documentary about dogs, for example,
1: are people who already love dogs. Right, right. But if you can make them entertaining so that anyone can watch and go, that was a good movie. I, You know, not only did I learn something, I, you know, I I enjoyed myself while I was watching it. That's what I sort of always strive to do.
0: Well, that is a very good, um, not only a very good goal for yourself, but also in choosing films for your Documentary Film Festival. Now, your Documentary Film Festival, um, I only know about because I'm aware of your movie about the, the Senior Dog Sanctuary. But there's only a couple of Documentary Film Festivals. There's one in New York City. Which is quite famous, right? New York Docs, right. I think Doc it's NYC.
1: called Doc NYC. There are a few others. There's an amazing one in uh, Missoula, Montana, called the Big Sky Documentary Film Festival. Ooh. That one's great. Yeah, that's one, that's actually where my festival began because I meet three other filmmakers from New Haven that I had never, I didn't even know existed, and we all meet for the first time in Missoula, Montana. Isn't that something? And that's that what something. we came back and, yeah. Yep.
0: And are they the people that formed back. the film? What were we thinking films formed the company? No that was,
1: they, they, they were just the four of us that, that, uh, that formed um, uh, the film Festival. What were we thinking was started back in 2004 with myself and my, my film partner Frank Loftus, who was one of the heads of the, uh, the uh, video department at the Humane Society of the United States.
0: Oh, interesting, because they make very—but their videos are not documentaries. They are just very short vignettes to show you the work they're doing and inspire you to basically give money, which is—I'm always supporting everything that they do because it's all good. Well, isn't that interesting how you came into the documentary world? Now, how did you learn about this most particular sanctuary? I don't know if you know that two years ago— My New York Dog Film Festival was dedicated to senior dog rescues, and Zena was one of the the people that were sort of behind it. It it was an idea that as it crossed the country and had a lot of senior dog films in it, some docs and some not. Some, I think, even might have been one or two that were uh, animation. But So I'm very tuned in, and I think that my listeners are really tuned in to the whole concept of senior dogs needing to have a wonderful end of life and being wonderful recipients of your love, you know, if you open your home and heart to them. But how did you learn about the work they were doing? Because you really celebrate their
1: specific sanctuary. Well, they they were actually a part of my previous um, dog film, Seniors, a documentary. They had a small section in there. And uh, so I had been following them since their first moved to grandpa's gardens from the, the house, the cabin next door is what they called it. And then they moved to a place they, uh, they bought uh, an old gardening center and yes. moved the facilities there. And at the world premiere of that film, we had it in Nashville. And I remember I went to lunch with Michael and Zina and Zena starts telling me all about this brand new sanctuary. And it sounds amazing. And I, you know, I'm wishing her luck and everything. And then she sort of like sticks the, the proverbial hook in my lip because she tells me it's only a mile away from the, from grandpa's gardens. And what we're going to do is close the roads down and we're going to have a senior dog parade of marching the old, the hundred dogs from the old place to the brand new place. And I'm like, Oh my God, how do I not film a senior dog parade? She baited you. Well, really? Yes. Yeah. Oh no. She, she knew I. she even said to me said I knew you were going to fall for that. and Um, <laughs> you know so of course it's that it just it grew out of that but then i remember i went to the ribbon cutting and i remember driving there and you go over this hill and the first time i saw the new sanctuary i literally broke out in tears cuz wow. i was so happy for them it just it's such an amazing facility it it was it, it was just designed with so much thought and care um, they knew exactly what they needed and they got it. And it's just, its you, you have to see it to believe it. It's beautiful.
0: And they do want people to come and see it. I mean, they've always been very mm-hmm. crowdsourced as a sanctuary, which I admire them for a lot because they not only have done all the work they've done based on huge donations, huge, meaning many of them, not necessarily one or two large Correct. ones, just thousands of people give them money because they love the nature of what they do, which is take in senior dogs, and even though they foster them out and quote-unquote adopt them out, they maintain the wellness of the dog under their umbrella. Mm -hmm. They, They pay for the medical, they pay for the food, they pay for all the care for that dog, even if you've taken it in for the rest of its life, because they never want that dog to fall through the cracks again. But they're really cool people, because they also have tours, I thought this is so clever. Yeah. Who wants to go to Graceland? I mean, apologies to any Elvis fans. Maybe everybody <laughs> wants to go to Graceland, but wouldn't it be more cool to have a visit at a state-of-the-art senior dog sanctuary, where you just get to see all this, this latent life happiness for canines. It's, it's kind of a just a an upper for dog people, and they and they get visitors from everywhere, don't they?
1: They do. I mean, people come from as far as Australia. They've told me. And, oh you know, my and Taiwan, goodness! Taiwan, and you know, it's like. Because in so many of them come with their favorite dogs in mind. You know, I mean, yes. obviously Leo is the first rock star, you know, and but there are so many. I mean, and I tried to give the second tier, the second group of rock stars, so to speak, in the new film, you know, some kind of exposure, especially like Forrest is, you know, with, with his massive ears is, you know, is another one of the favorites. Um, and the other thing too, is with this film, I really did also, I really did try to focus on a number of the dogs, which, um, and, and and how they have saved dogs. Like the the two great examples in the film are this dog named Hugh and another one named Sweet Pea and how these dogs come in and honestly, any other shelter on the planet would probably euthanized them. They they were not in good shape, and we were able to follow them for six months. I had a ga- even though I live in New Haven, I had a, a cinematographer on the ground in Nashville who would visit once a week. Oh, that's and she how you full did. Access yeah, and so that's how we were able to watch them. I mean, especially with you, and you see how he goes from being afraid to even being touched to rolling on the ground yes. with uh, the young woman from the sanctuary who took ended up taking him home. I mean, it's it's an amazing. Uh, come back.
0: Transformation, really. It isn't It isn't just, yeah. you know, dogs that have come from dog fighting rings that you can say, isn't that incredible? They've been on a train their whole life and been dog fighting and now they like people. These are dogs you don't really know. All you know is life was right. really lousy for them and now they're old and they don't feel well. And the whole point of the sanctuary is come on in make yourself to home and it i just think all of us think ooh we're going to get old one day we hope someone welcomes us like that and has a nice kind of hairy couch that we can lie on even though we aren't doing exactly. you, it's
1: like you know i would uh, it's like i would love it, that that sanctuary is is nicer than almost any elderly resident you know that I've seen in my life. You know, <laughs> so it's I would gladly go there when I hit exactly. my like senior years. Yeah,
0: but what's interesting about it is they really were just two regular folks who took in a bunch of dogs that kind of overflowed their home and then overflowed an outbuilding and then a garden center. And I remember in the earlier film showing just this kind of bare, sort of a warehousey kind of building, and they just had shelves mm-hmm. on which they had stashed. Everything people had given them, some things very useful, some things may not have seemed useful at the time, but they took everything people gave them. So it was really a labor of love and kind of community, everyone just pitching in, and the couple who run it being just so, they ran out of money a bunch of times, they used all their own money, even though they're thriving, and it looks like a really almost commercially, you know, fantastic enterprise, and they had been business people before, to get there they made enormous personal sacrifice. So even though it looks so fancy now, getting there was little baby steps. Which I think oh, is absolutely. really an important I mean, part of the of the of what you show is it's baby steps that get you to the top of the mountain.
1: Right, because you're I mean they they started one dog, That's you know, right. in their backyard. That's and right. And ten years later, you know, they're opening a twenty thousand square foot facility with Arguably the, the best senior vet care on the planet. Yeah. I mean, that, that we, we also got to talk about the, the Dr. Christine Pistarek is amazing what this woman can do uh, in, in turning, the you know, uh, uh, what seems to be a hopeless medical condition around in, you know, 24 hours.
0: Yeah. And then sustaining it. And then the dog winds up thriving and doing really well. Mm-hmm. So explain the title. Because somehow the title, I mean, I think it's a little late for you to change it based on my opinion. I'm making a joke. But A Dog Named Gucci sounds to me like it's going to be about, if you will, Paris Hilton and a pocket chihuahua. Oh,
1: yeah. That, a Dog Named Gucci, though, that's another film. This one is called Old Friends, a documentary. Oh, right. Yes, a that's dog right. Named Gucci, uh, a Dog Named Gucci was my first animal film. Uh, and that was actually about a dog named Gucci in Alabama, Uh, that, uh, whose owner saved it from, uh, well, I mean, in a nutshell, Gucci was a 10 week old chow husky mix, uh, who was owned by a 15 year old runaway girl. And, um, she got in with the wrong crowd and and two guys who wanted to teach her a lesson one day, snatch up the dog, string it up, beat it with a shovel, scored it with lighter fluid and set it on fire. Now, you would think that that's the end of the story, except for Doug James, another dog hero, uh, was standing on a porch a few uh, houses down the road, saved the dog, and worked for six years to change the laws in Alabama so that the next time it happened, it would be a felony offense. That's pretty... I remember that now. I I
0: did confuse the titles of two films, and that was a really wonderful movie, and I think that really... Is living example of your comment early on that a documentary can change hearts and minds. And, and, oh, absolutely! In some ways, can change laws. Yes, Old Friends Sanctuary. That, yeah, it's completely about this other topic that we've been talking
1: about. It, right. Yeah, and it's yeah, and it's Old Friends a documentary, uh, which is our set. We're the other one, the pre, the middle one, was Seniors a documentary. We're sort of going on this documentary kick.
0: I noticed um, because
1: it's. It, yeah, it's, it's, sort, it's light, it's cute, and it, it, as you probably know, working in this world, a lot of people are afraid sometimes to watch these movies because I don't want to see abuse. Well, I think what i am trying to do with the two documentaries is there's no abuse in these films. These, these films show what, you know, what these dogs can do and how much life they still have. And what uh, people so, can do you know, for
0: them. Yeah. I mean, they might come right. in in rough shape and, and need more than just a bath and a haircut. But but in the end, a shave and a haircut and and three square meals a day, and they are on the road to, to having a good life again. Just with the time that's left, Gorman, um, about c- crowdsourcing to make these movies. You mm-hmm. raise money to make them has that been an uphill battle or once people understand what you're doing, are they eager to to pitch in?
1: I think I've gotten after, after all these years of doing this, I've gotten enough of a reputation. People know the film is going to be made, right. it's going to turn out well, it's right. going to be on DVD and everything else. So, you know, no one's getting ripped off. It's, you know, I'm, I'm not a, I'm not a kid out of college. Right. making Your first film. Right. And um, so I, I, I find that I have a pretty good, a uh, collection of, of 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 fans and followers and backers in my back pocket it, and then you know it always helps that whoever whomever i'm doing the film about also posts as well because you know yes. uh so zena and company actually you know definitely helps in terms of posting about the the crowdsourcing for this so yeah it, it it's it's always a struggle to raise money let's face it but it's not as it's it not it's not a horrible struggle.
0: So. I guess what I just you know in in closing, what I really like about how you made the movie, as well as what you made the movie about, is that everybody pitches in. It's not standing back and looking at two saintly people. Everybody pitches in. The people that are volunteers mm-hmm. there, the people that are the vet, as you say, the people that adopt and foster, and you too. I mean, everyone is pitching in, and that makes it. More of an uplifting story, more of an uplifting experience. I, we've run out of time, but Old Fenta Documentary, I will documentary. I will put a link to it. You can get the DVD. You can uh, look at the trailer and find out for yourself what a cool story it is and what happy endings you are good at, Gorman Bishard. Thank you for being here.
1: Oh, thank you so much for having me.
0: Thanks for listening. There are a few more special companies that make this show possible. I hope you will support their products because they stand behind my mission, which is to educate and inspire while entertaining. Earth Animal, which is privately owned by Dr. Bob and Susan Goldstein, creates holistic pet wellness products with an emphasis on their stewardship of the Pet Sustainability Coalition. They make many non-chemical products for the inside and outside of your pets, as well as innovative foods like no hide, and the hybrid dry food wisdom, which sometimes is all that my blue Weimaraner Maisie will eat. My other sponsor is Cradle, which makes CBD calming products to reduce stress for dogs using broad-spectrum CBD from U.S. grown hemp, formulated with a proprietary blend of nutraceutical ingredients. My Wanda Weimaraner couldn't get through thunderstorms without their Cradle Melts. And I'm grateful to Evermore Pet Food, which is privately owned by two extraordinary women who cook dog food from the most pristine human edible ingredients and ship it to your door in frozen pouches. It is higher quality and more ethically sourced than my own food. Thank you for listening. I hope you've enjoyed this one guest version of Dog Talk and Kitties 2, and we will listen to other episodes sometime soon.